Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Samantha, do you remember when we could like go places? What? No. What is that? <laughs> do you remember when we went into an office space and oh. saw each other what? and recorded what? there? <laughs> this is not a fantasy. Mere months that feel like years ago. <laughs> it really we does. We used to meet in a studio. It, was it called? What was it called? You know? I think so. Yeah. And we would record in person. It's true. Yes. And then in March, as you all know, a pandemic put an end to that for the most part. But it also um, put it, uh, not at the, an, an end, but it provided, and provided is not a good word. It was an obstacle for right. a lot of our podcasts on our network, specifically ones that dealt with travel and being with people right. to do them. Right. And that includes a podcast that you were on, Samantha. Yes. Yes. Get Down with K-Town with yes. Esther Choi. Yes, I was on it, and it was fantastic. It was those times where we actually ate together. Yes. Shared food together. Her show uh, is pretty much a premise of making food because she is an amazing chef and has two mm -hmm. restaurants in New York, Monsieur and Mock Bar. And she asks her guests what they want for their um, food choices. And she cooked some food for me. And we sat and ate on yeah. mic, which was weird for me because I don't do that. <laughs> and discussed uh, my experience as a Korean adoptee because it is uh, her podcast is about Korean culture as well as the Korean community and what it looks like today. Yes, and I was very, very jealous because you arrived at the office with her and with food, um, and it smelled amazing. Um, but we interviewed Esther on this show, um, and because of the timing, we did this, I think, in early March. Yeah. That's how long ago this we did this interview. Um, and it's only just now coming out because her show was delayed and it was delayed again. And we were trying to figure out like what's going to happen with this pandemic? How long is it going to last? Um, but it is out now. Your episode is out now. And you listeners should go check it out if you haven't already. And we thought we would... Uh, Finally, we get to share this interview with you. Yes. It was such a fun interview. We got to talk about uh, kimchi-fying things. It, yeah, it's just mm. a fun interview. Yes. I I have been craving kimchi so badly lately. <laughs> Spicy food in particular, kimchi. Yes. Um, yes. So look forward to getting that craving. And uh, let's let past Samantha, Annie, and Esther take it away. I am so excited for our guest today, Esther Choi. Woohoo! Hi. Can you introduce yourself for our listener? Sure. My name is Esther Choi. I am a chef in New York City. I have three restaurants uh, going on to four next month. Mm -hmm. Mock Bar, my first restaurant I started with, it's a Korean noodle shop that focuses on all things Korean comfort food. Um, First location in Chelsea Market in New York and um, second location in Brooklyn across from Barclay Center. Third location will be in Midtown. 
And then Miss You, which is an ode to my grandmother. She is Miss You. <laughs> that is a Korean cocktail bar in the Lower East Side. And we throw crazy parties and we do really good food there too. And that's pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, can we come to your party? Uh, hello. I'm waiting. All right, sweet. I'm going to a party. You're invited. In New York. Yes. Do we have to dress cool? Because I don't do that. You can dress, dress however cool. the fuck you want. I was like, you, uh, you dress super cute and cool. I'm like, this is Monday. Stop dressing cute. This is not how this works. I'm wearing my traditional parka. So I have to see. Yes. Like it's 15 it's degrees. Cold in there? Yeah. In most of the pictures you see her in the office, she looks like she's like just came out of a He's blizzard. Enough. So cold <laughs> to me. You got You're gloves in gloves on. too. Yeah, I love. It. I love it. Constantly. It's a constant thing. I think it's a Georgia thing. When it gets below like 40 degrees, yeah, you're like freezing. freezing. As well as in the summertime, it's so hot that they keep the uh, inside oh, so yeah. cold. It's colder yeah. than it's ever been. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, stop dressing so cute is the other thing I'm saying. Esther. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to have you in because A, you're a chef in a very obviously industry that is dominated by men and kind of wanted to have that conversation. Um about what it looks like and your thoughts on women in the food and restaurant industry. Because we know that only a few women are in the industry, and to that, women of color, even less. So I know that in the U.S., as of like 2017, uh, it was roughly 20% were women. Um, And according to that stat, about 4% identified as black, 3% as Latina, and 2% as Asian American women. Can I just say something? Where do these stats come from? Because wherever I look, I see plenty of female cooks and chefs in the kitchen. That's a good question because I would think that that would be more representative, but I wonder if it has a lot to do with who is actually classified as chefs. So, yeah, um, if if you're talking about chefs in higher earning positions that is dominated by men, but uh, women dominate by far uh, lower earning income positions when it comes to the food industry. So it's confusing because yes, in media and however it's identified or kind of even portrayed, it seems very male dominated white. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you actually look in real kitchens, so many ethnicities, right. obviously. Uh, yeah, predominantly all ethnic people. Right. And a lot of them women. Right. So, I mean, it depends, right? Right. Yeah, are we talking like high-end cuisine? Are we talking? Yeah. But yeah. It, as an industry as a whole, right. I would say, like, that's bullshit. Right. Like, those stats, like, I, I always hear these stats and I'm like, well... I don't know about that. Right. And I think this, again, has to do with the chef, like, title in itself and then ownership and, again, marketing and, yeah. and manic- making the money. Like It is confusing. It is confusing because, yes, if you look at um, the food industry as, like, a professional, like, in, in your chef whites or, like, in a high-end kitchen— right. Yes, like not many women right. in those types of kitchens. And that's the question is, why do you think that is? Why do you think even though it's predominantly ran by women of color or women, you know, people of color, why is it that in this higher earning level that gets all the recognition, it seems to be mainly white men? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know that. Maybe because the industry is has changed in the past however many years and... It's become sort of this. Uh, how 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 would I like to say? Uh, it's sort of become romanticized, mm-hmm. 
like the whole concept of being a chef. And I think that's when, um, you know, a lot of these more higher-end restaurants have been opening, obviously. And the industry has just changed. And a lot of that is obviously white male. Right. Um, but if you do see the army behind that white male, right. uh, besides the line cooks, like if you look at like the prep cooks, like all women, you know, it's yeah. just, so it just like really depends. Right. But yes, of course, me growing up in the industry, like when I started 10 years ago in New York City, the kitchens that I worked in were all men, right. especially the hotline. Like all the pastry or prep cooks, all women, right. but hotline, mm-hmm. no women at all. Like I was always the only female line cook. Right. And so you've seen yeah. that change as of recently. Um, sort of. But like I said, it just it just gets like very confusing because of course in regular, like more like QSR fast casual restaurants, it's a lot more mixed, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like I would I don't want to say low end, but the not as like high end right. type of restaurant. It's that level. Yeah, the level. So I think it just really depends. It really depends. But if I speak to a lot of like these uh, other female chefs all the time and we're like, well, there's women everywhere in the kitchens. Right. It's just not really shown or like you don't see it quite as often or women that are being leaders. Right. That's a different thing as a leader. Right. Um, not many females. Do you feel like within the industry and as leadership that the people are recognized and given the respect, the women are given the respect? Now more than before. But always there is this weird thing. It's like female show. Now, definitely, I think people are being more respective. And obviously, with feminism on the, on the rise, with the Me Too movement, no, you can't like really say shit about right. women like that anymore or like that we're not good enough or whatever. But in actuality, like training in these like very intensive kitchens, uh, you got that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like getting hollered at or... Right this kind of underlying weird abuse right. from not only higher-ups, but like your peers. Right. Um, without them knowing what they're doing, it's just what it was. You know, right. the lingo, the kitchen lingo, it's just always kind of sexist or... Yeah. Well, also, while we're going to move off, uh, we know uh, that you were awarded the Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Award through Audi in 2018, right? Yes. Um, Jane Spirit you... Foundation. Yes. Shout out to them. They're yes. amazing. That column was awesome. I read that. Uh, can you give advice to those who are trying to expand or grow their dreams and businesses and why you think fellowships or programs like these are so important for equal footing and recognition for all of the people who may have some talent that just hasn't gotten the opportunity? Um. So when I applied for this program, it was their second year of doing the program. And now James Beard Foundation is really focusing a lot of their energy on women entrepreneurship. For me to apply to a program like that, for me, I never had leadership training Mm -hmm. ever or entrepreneurship training. Like I I was a cook. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a cook. Mm -hmm. I'm a chef. Like um, having my own business, yes, that's always been in the pipeline and my dream, but there was no training around it. So my initial thing was, of course, I want to apply for some sort of leadership program. And if it's female-driven and a program focused on women entrepreneurs, I was obviously very intrigued by that too, because that's me, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the other leaders that I do meet are all men. 
So for women to get together and talk about a lot of these different leadership skills, because everyone leads in a different way. And I think that um, your sex has a lot to do with it, like whether you're being a male or a female, Mm -hmm. Um, even the way people look at you or portray you, like that type of thing is, you know, a hot topic for women who are trying to be leaders. And that's a lot of the things that we covered in the program. And it was 21 women from a different state. Every woman was from a different state. And we all came together and just essentially like became friends. Mm -hmm. And just like we all have our own organizations and we all just came together and like would talk about these topics that you never really get to discuss with anyone else. So that was really special. And I think just taking that step of like even applying and seeing what's out there because there are a lot of these programs. Right. Um, that you can join. And it, it's, all, for me, it's about initiative. Like, you got to take that step to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no like, oh, I want to, I want to. No, just do it. Right. Like, for me, to apply for this program, I already had three businesses. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you are. Everyone still can learn all the time, right? Um, and yeah, so it it was life-changing for me. And it built like a community that... I never had before. And I still talk to these women all the time. Like, we're all friends. And we have... It's great. It's amazing. That's amazing. It creates opportunity, you know? And that's the biggest thing. Like, if you don't take that initiative to do it, even if you don't get accepted, then try again. Right. Different program. There's thousands of programs out there. Right. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. (laughs) Right? It, yes, exactly. It's a it's about just trying. It's a law of numbers in the end, right? That's true. Right. We do have some more of our conversation with you, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back into the interview. Well, you said Miss Mrs. Hughes based on your grandmother, mm-hmm. inspired by your grandmother. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe some kind of inspirations you had from women in your life to where you are? Yeah. Um, the women in my life were always very strong figures. And um, I think it's the Korean culture. Like women have this very powerful um, and strong identity and voice in our culture, even though it's it's still like a very male-dominated thing. And, it, you know, Korea still struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really look at every household, it's always like the moms, the grandmas that are really running the board, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it for my family too. Uh, my grandma was the caretaker of the of the family. My mom and my dad were, obviously, they had small businesses. You know, we were immigrants. They worked like 24-7. But if I think about like, how I was raised, it was by my grandma and my mom. Mm-hmm. My Even now, I feel like my mom is definitely the head of the family in terms of bringing, like, working every day, making sure that um, she's bringing in income to the family. And my grandma still obviously takes care of anything to do with food. And I feel like with that, that's, like, literally what you feed mm-hmm. people. So that's... That's like the strongest hold in the family. So grandma was that, my mom running the businesses, 
Um, the men in my family, like my dad and my grandpa, very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> because probably they were like, my mom and my grandma has such a strong personality. So I, that's kind of how I grew up. And I just took on that identity of like being that like strong female force. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And my grandma, she's like this amazing cook. She definitely inspired um, me to be a chef. Yeah. Just being around food all the time. And um, most kids would like go out and play. My sister, my siblings are not like me at all. They're like, um, they would, you know, go outside, play and do whatever. But I was always at home with grandma, like following her around the kitchen everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was always, it was like built in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely take her identity on like completely. I'm like just like her. <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. So what is your favorite food? What is my favorite food? What is it that what it is that you have to have that your grandma makes for you that you or that you would like want to replicate every time? I mean, this sounds very kind of typical, but it's kimchi. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's be real. It's kimchi. I think this was like I like yeah. kimchi a lot. <laughs> like, it's not just a lot. Like, I have an obsession yeah. with kimchi, and like those this whole I had this whole crazy phase of like um, fermentation, yeah. and I still do like. If you go into my kitchens, there we have at least thirty different types of kimchi fermenting yeah. in our walk-in, and yeah, every chance I get, I try to experiment on a new type of kimchi or something traditional that I've never made before that I've like saw in a documentary, or you know, trying to replicate something that my grandma made that yeah. I remember, but yeah. she can't really explain it because she's like. Just add this and this and that. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. She just shows you. Yeah. And you're like, wait, that's just a handful of, what was that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still call her to this day and I'm like, oh, Harmony, like, how do you make this dish? And she can't even give me, it's it's the most outrageous explanation. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what you said at all. Yeah, I think I read something that you came up with the term kimchi-fi. Kimchi-fi, yeah, yeah. That's a, you can pretty much kimchi-fi everything, even human beings. Really? Wait, wait. Oh, okay. I got you now. But what was the weirdest or what was the biggest project you had to kimchi-fi? That you try to kimchi fi. Besides people? Besides people, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> when I say people, though, I just want to. I'm this, just but, leaving this one alone. But there are people that like just don't like kimchi. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. Like I have to convert them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I have, and I'll literally try like my ass. I'll be friends with that person. I'll like whatever. Yeah. And I'll make sure in the end can walk away loving kimchi because mm-hmm. there's no way you can't. Mm-hmm. That's like my thing. Oh, man. Kimchi, I mean, I've pretty much kimchi-fied any, every vegetable, like and everything and anything. Um, one fun thing that I've done before is like I made a green kimchi. So um, I use Napa cabbage, but instead of using like red chili flakes mm-hmm. and... Um, the traditional things, I've, I made my own green chili flakes from, like, green peppers. Oh. And then I added, like, cilantro and things like that and made this, like, very new age type of, like, green kimchi. And that was, like, something, like, really fun okay. that I did. Yeah. Was it tasty? Oh, so good. Mm. So it's different, you know? Now I'm going to be craving kimchi. <laughs> well, that's every day. Right? It's every day. It's a true thing. It's a true thing. <laughs> Um, she is on a food show called Savor, mm-hmm. and she did a whole episode Ooh. on kimchi. She calls me. She's like, 
where did you say is has the best kimchi? <laughs> like, where is that kimchi you were talking about? I need to know now. now. <laughs> Please tell me that you've tried making your own kimchi. I have never tried making my own. Okay, so that's a new project for you. She does this. She just gave me a project. She's like, you're going to cook this. I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right. I like projects. So now you've got to yeah. make a kimchi. I, I mean, we talked about how to make it. In the, I know how to do it. But now you have to actually do it. <laughs> yes. Homework. Yes. You got to send her a batch so she knows what yours tastes like. And then oh, my God, yes. I'm going to mail you guys kimchi. <laughs> that would be the best thing in the world as long as mm-hmm. it doesn't like, go everywhere. But I know that you have a, a podcast on our network. We're super excited. I was just on there. I got to eat food. I'm the happiest person alive right now because <laughs> I'm full of good Korean food, which is called... Get down with K Town, which I love. Nice. Are you gonna have some like K pop in the background at any point? Oh hell yeah! Yes, <laughs> gotta. Yes, okay. you know it's all about the K pop now. Mean, <laughs> it's like in every Twitter feed, like anybody responds, there's just like a GIF of a like a K K-pop, K-pop thing. thing. You know, like it's incredible. Sense. Okay, cool. we came a long way. <laughs> hey, look, I love yeah. K pop. Um, and then uh, you and I were talking about the fact that you had a documentary. Um, called Her Name is Chef. Can you kind of talk about that? Yes, it was. it's incredible, and I can't believe it's not released yet. Um, but basically, five female chefs in New York City um, and just telling their story of being a female chef in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, all of us have our own restaurants, so we're entrepreneurs as well. And it was basically um, a storyline documentary about how I became a chef. Mm -hmm. Um, And each episode highlights, you know, a different female chef. Yeah, and but this this is the thing that I was talking about. Like, we all talk about, oh, like female, what's it like being a female chef? But I think a lot of us don't think, never thought of it like that. We just thought, we're chefs. Right. Right? Right. We're chefs, we do food. And then, um, and then this whole thing came about where, you know, what's it like to be a female chef? And I, I never thought of myself as like, I'm a female, like, chef. Right. I, I always just thought, like, I'm a chef in the kitchen, trying to be a chef. I'm right. a cook. I'm a cook in the end. But, yeah, of course, a lot of these issues come. And I've never really even thought about it, right. actually. Like, even being, like, a female entrepreneur or anything like that. I just did my best of my abilities to use what I had to be whoever I needed to be. And um, whether that be, like, I've never thought of myself as less because I couldn't, like, hold a huge pot of oil. Yes, I can carry that thing. But guess what? I'm going to use my charm and ask the f***ing line cook next to me (laughs) to carry that for me because I can't carry it, obviously. So, like, um, for me to maneuver around the kitchen, especially as someone that's, like, 100 pounds and 5'2", guess what? There's a lot of things that I can't do physically. But you have to know what skills you have to maneuver around the kitchen. Right. Right. And that's what I did. And I realized that very, very early on. I'm like, well, obviously, I'm not going to be able to, like, work 16 hours, seven days a week like these guys do. Right. There's just no way. I know it was not sustainable for me Mm -hmm. um, because I would literally, like, come home, like, dying mm-hmm. after, like, a 12-hour shift. Like, mm-hmm. my arm, like, I couldn't even move my body. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Wow. Um, so I had to quickly figure out, like, uh, how do I get up in this industry? Right. And um, how do I stand out? But it never really, I never really had to think, like, oh, how do I stand up as a female? Right. 
it's just, I guess, it, it's just who I was anyway. I, obviously, I'm a female. But right. I never had to, like, think about it like that. Right. I just did. Yeah. Right? And then later on, after I did, that's when all the topics came up. And now I had to, like, think about, oh, like, yeah, yeah, how did I do that as a, as a girl? Right. Right? But I, I guess for me, I never really thought of it like that. It's yeah. just, like, how do I do, not how do I do as a girl. Right. Yeah. I mean, essentially, I think that's everything. When you realize you're doing things and everybody's like, well, you know, now that you did this as female, you're like, wait, what? I have to... Oh, I'm a female? (laughs) And then you look back on it and realize, oh, these were the obstacles that happened because I was female, but I didn't realize because it's so inundated in our everyday lives that it is obvious you are of this. And so growing up with those obstacles, you don't know any different. So why would you notice it? And then when you start thinking on the... Exactly. It it was like that for me. And... Um, especially when I talk about being like sexually harassed in the yeah. kitchen, which it happened in a, every fucking day right. in, in the kitchens, especially being the only um, female line cook. Yeah. It just felt normal. Right. Which is horrible if you think about it. And a lot of women couldn't take it. A lot of females don't take it. They just leave. They right. just don't even deal with it. They're right. like, bye. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Yeah. For me, I was just like, be, like I would just have to shut it out or figure out a way to throw it back at him. Right. Or just, like, grow that thick skin where it didn't bother me. Right. And it eventually, like, it didn't because I was just so used to it. I was going to say, so you cope. Not crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. that's absolutely, I think, a, well, I mean, again, we talk about trauma and we talk about the different things that when you grow up not realizing, oh, shit. You just went through a really traumatic experience. You don't understand what from the outside. It's like, oh, hell, you went through that. And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I guess it's what? like that. Like, it I never is. really, like, think of, about it like that, too. It's, it's kind of like, that whole, like, what it was. this is what I expected. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we shouldn't have to, but you do. And then you grow from it. And you just move on, not thinking of everything else. It's kind of like Sharon Stone's comment when everything was going down with Me Too era in the interview when he was like, have you ever been, you know, sexually harassed? She started dying laughing. Like, yeah, you know how long <laughs> I've been in this industry? Yeah. yeah. You know, right? it's kind it's of just that like, level. But the, the recognition is understanding, again, that, why did this have to? Ha- why why is this so inundated as a norm and it shouldn't have to be? Now, for those who can't deal with it, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I think there's a lot of us we talk about. I've I've been told with the trauma that I've experienced as well as the things that I've seen, people are like, "Don't say this to so and so. She can't handle it." You know, could you imagine? You know, something happened to her, and I kind of my immediate reaction is to be like, "Who do you think could actually handle this?" Sh-? Like, if they chose on their own and before the thing that happened, would would never say, yeah, man, give me that. Give me that obstacle. Let me have this experience because I can definitely handle it. You know, you don't, you never realize what you can and can't handle until after it's done. After it's happened. And then after that, it's like, if it's normalized, you don't even realize it's as negative until you start going back on it. Like, oh, oh, yeah, that was, that could have been worse. And that shouldn't have had to happen. And I shouldn't have had to do that. But Okay. But I accepted it. I moved on, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruminate on that and move on, which is an awesome skill. Hopefully, that a lot of trauma victims have to not hopefully, but oftentimes have to do anyway. But like, yeah, normalization. You just don't understand it's, until it's, after the fact. Yeah, it's what you go through right. that kind of builds who you are, right? right? So, like for me, I guess the reason why I'm so blunt and I just like say whatever without thinking of people's. I've been told I was insensitive probably a million times, but not because I want to be insensitive. It's just like what the shit I had to go through to get to where I'm at. I just 
have this personality now that I right. can't. I'm just like I just say whatever, and yeah. I'm very blunt, and it's just it's what I have to deal with. Yeah. Um. Get getting through this industry. Yeah. So it just it was built, I guess. Right. And it's yeah. often like you do see that portrayed a lot. A lot of women come out saying, "Yeah, deal with it. Like grow up. Move I guess. On. Yeah. And and, and, and in the realizing of, that's what yeah. they did. It's not that I'm trying to be insensitive. I'm just. I have this, like, personality of just, I guess, dealing with it because yeah. that's what I had to Well, that's do also too. very Korean, too. <laughs> I know. It's so Korean. And it's just, like, for me in these kitchens, I think the reason why I was able to right. just, like, power through it was yeah. because you just have to cope with it. Right. You know, being Asian and growing up in a very white neighborhood as right. well, like, I just had to deal with and cope with a lot right. of things thrown at me. And it just— being like patient and growing that thick skin has right. been a part of my life. Yeah. Always. And I guess it, that's part of the thing. Like I know that's one of the things that I've talked about growing up. I would make jokes of my own culture and my ethnicity often to ease everybody else's uncomfortableness yeah. to the point that in college, I remember I said, so, I made a joke about my heritage or whatever. And the dude was like, oh, you're one of those Asians. Cool, cool, cool. You're cool. Like that's how he uh-huh. said it. To, and of course, at that point, I was like, Ooh, maybe yeah. I said something wrong because I'm not yeah. sure what just happened. But I definitely just gave way to all these white kids to make jokes, uh, uh-huh, at, on you. you know, for like at the cost for me, whatever. Right. And like understanding that's what I grew up with. So I've always been had thick skin. I'm like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, make jokes, make jokes. But then I'm like, Fuck you, I'm cool. tired. I'm like, yeah. I'm tired of having to be your joke because you can't figure out what else to talk to me about. Yeah. Right. So the only thing you think is, you're an Asian girl. Let me make this joke. And I'm like, yeah, not as cute as you think. You know, <laughs> like it's stuff like that. It's just like yeah. you kind of grew up thinking it's okay because it was a lifestyle. And then again, in the kitchen, especially one of those <laughs> pretty severe industry of like, go cut, you cut yourself. Too bad. Wrap it up. Move on. Yeah, it's kind of even that Straight level. Up. It's a little literal fight. <laughs> like you're dying. You Great. Keep... Move it on. Keep going. Cut that shit off and move on. <laughs> we do have a little bit more for you, listeners. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. When you were talking about your fellowship, you had a great support of women. How do you? How important is that, especially, again, in the industry, that for so many times, like you just want to be a chef, but have to cope with the fact that people continually have to classify you as this type of chef, this whatever. Right? That just, that kind of drives me crazy. Like, the award, best female chef. Right. I mean, I guess it's the same thing as best female actress. I mean, it's just like, why do we have to like classify? Like, why can't it just be like best actress and it happened to be a female? Yeah. Maybe we're not there yet, but hope to be there one day. Right. 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 You're right. (laughs) But still, yes, of course, we still need that support system. But also, yeah, why can't it just be? I always think about that. Why can't we just like be all like one big happy family? Right. But yeah, obviously, it's it's just different being a female in the industry that is male dominated. It you you still need that support and you need that guidance in some way. So, so, so like, how do you feel like it's so important? Why do you think it's important for you to have that kind of support system? 
I don't know. A lot of the opportunities that these types of programs um, are given to me or the other women in the industry, it's not the same. I feel like I've been given more opportunities through James Beard Foundation because I was in this program and et cetera. So like for me, that has been great. Um, And obviously, even if it was not a female-driven program, like I still would have tried to apply for it. Right. And to be accepted or not, obviously, that's like a whole other story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When it comes to um, Korean food and Asian-influenced food, (laughs) this may be a question that we have to cut out later, but I'm very (laughs) intrigued because— Just ask. I'm like—when I watch different, like, cook shows or, like— cooking competitions, there's a lot of white people who are really obsessed with Asian food. Um, and I was just thinking about it. I don't see many Asian people who are like, I want to just cook French food. You know what you I know mean? What? That's, no, it, actually, that's that's not the that's case. Is it? I've never seen it. Where is it? Because Well, you don't see it on media. But uh, like in the industry, like in New York, yeah. all, all the freaking Asian kids are doing French food and fine, really? di- and fine dining. I've seen it. But, like, nowadays, the industry is changing where a lot of the Asian, I don't know, even Korean or Asian, whatever you want to say, um, they're now doing their food that they grew up with. Right. Like, uh, food from their heritage. Right. But before, everyone wanted to just do fine dining and French food. That's, like, a thing. So, like, if you look at a lot of French kitchens, so many of the cooks are Asian. Right. And... No one was doing, like, Asian food in a way where it was, like, fine dining or upscale Mm -hmm. or elevated, right? Mm -hmm. Because that type of food was known to be, like, the QSR or, like, the local Chinese restaurant or, like, um, the restaurants that your parents, you know, uh, ran, right? right? So things are changing in the industry, but it's funny because it's funny that you say like yeah, people want to do Asian food but like no it's it's also the opposite I have not seen it yeah but you know what like food is such a it's an art form and yeah. it's subjective and people cook for different reasons right um obviously for me it has a lot to do with like my identity and my heritage but not everyone is like that right. they want to just do beautiful food some people love the idea of technique mm-hmm. and modern cuisine mm-hmm. so it just like really depends on the person you know so are we coming back to the fact that asian food is now fine dining is that a fad a lot of asian food is being reinterpreted in a very modern yeah. way and you don't you know what you don't want to say that's wrong or right it's right. it's a an expression of who they are, right? So, yeah, a lot of the modern Korean restaurants in New York or in LA, there it's it's not Korean food that I've ever known, right? But it's their interpretation of Korean food because they are all French trained, yeah, and they worked in French kitchens for like twenty years. So it's super and fancy, yeah, and they're bringing their Korean flavors into like a technique, yeah. that has never been done, and that's like their art form. So not no wrong or right answer in in this. One of my favorite uh, places, food, I guess it's a restaurant. Yeah, it's a restaurant. It's Heirloom Barbecue, which is a Korean. <gasps> I've heard. Woman with is her it amazing? White, oh my so god! Is so. it so good? So what? So it's Southern barbecue with like Korean yes. hints. Yeah. So she does a lot of kimchi stuff as well. Uh huh. 
And then they do a lot of Korean spices, but he does like he's a white chef and she is a Korean chef uh-huh. and they come together and it's a glorious beautiful piece of marriage. Right. But so it's good. almost OTP. It is OTP. In Atlanta is very What's OTP? <laughs> it's 30 minutes outside of here. What? It's it outside the perimeter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That is very Atlanta. That is oh. Very, very Atlanta. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's so You good. know, it's my first time in Atlanta, right? Oh, so, yeah. yeah my second so you came day. yesterday, uh-huh. and all you've done is go to the hotel and cook at your, the friend's place? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, so in a nutshell. Yeah, but, you know, we're in Pond City Market. Right. <laughs> right. Is modeled after China. Chelsea Market. Yes, so, same developers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I know about this market like way before because my restaurant's in Chelsea Market. Uh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I've always like, if I ever open a restaurant in gonna Atlanta, it's going to be in Pond City Market. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> more options like, for us. We need yeah. more food. Um, yes. So when do you actually leave? Um, I leave Wednesday morning. So. Are you going to do some things? I'm really not going to be able to because I have more interviews and I have to, like, cook for all my guests. And it's been, like, yeah, been a very crazy. Did you mean to sign up for like that? I mean, all of that was, like, my idea. And... Okay. You know, being a chef and everything, it's You're just like, like I can't you. help myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, like it's like a gateway into your heart. So that is I yeah. yes, agree with that. I automatically said yes when I was told I was gonna get cooked food. So you know, I it works. It works. Right? Right? Um I was gonna ask, so uh, we talked about your grandma's food. What is your all time comfort food? If you're having a bad day and you just need something that's just homey, what is your all time other than kimchi? Um <laughs> it's a form of kimchi of course it's, it's kimchi jjigae which uh-huh. is a kimchi stew yes and um i love anything like brothy mm-hmm. like i need soup like mm-hmm. all the time every single meal you're speaking I need to soup. her language yeah because you're cold all the time that's basic that's like me i'm literally cold all the time right um but yeah so that's why i love like very hot soupy yeah. food um so that any time anything with broth usually is like my all time comfort food. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if I had to choose like a death row meal, it would be like kimchi stew, oh, wow. kimchi jjigae. So where can our listeners find you? Um, so I'm at Choi Bites, C H O I Bites. That's my personal Instagram, and then my restaurant is Mokbar M O K B A R underscore N Y C, and Miss You M S dot Y O O. So this brings us to the end of our interview with Esther Choi. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad we finally got to share it. It's been on our calendar since March and we kept having to right. move it. Right. Man, it's so funny to listen back on some of the things we talked about. I'm like, oh, yes. look, we, we were actually know. sitting next to each other within six feet. <laughs> we were. We could see each other. There wasn't an internet delay that made things slightly <laughs> awkward. Any awkwardness was all on our own. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it is odd. It, I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but anything from pre-pandemic and lockdown feels almost like a relic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like I've uncovered some ancient fossil of, oh, right. remember Annie? It feels like <laughs> a you, whole different time. Like, you're like, that was a whole generation difference, right? Yeah, I was a different person then. <gasps> I still, like, put on different clothes. I still did my hair and makeup. Wow. Right. Mm. I think we talked about her, how she cute she looks, and she's so dressed up. And then we were like, oh. Uh. I was in my parka. I actually specifically remember being in my heavy puffy jacket that's terrible for recording because it rustles every time you move. 
<laughs> but I was cold. Um, yeah, so go subscribe to your podcast. Check out Samantha's episode and all the episodes. You can do that wherever podcasts are found. And if you would like to reach us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 